0: Support for Gig with Mike Redmond comes from Music Connection, for 45 years connecting artists and musicians with each other and the industry. And you can find them on the web at musicconnection.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Gig. I'm your host, Mike Redmond. And in today's episode, I'm happy to introduce you to music supervisor, producer, sonic strategist, boy, that's hard to say, and my friend, Mike Boris. I met Mike several years ago when he was the music director for McCann in New York City. Through the years, I've grown to admire his work ethic, his talent as a musician and producer, as well as his upbeat, positive outlook on life. That last part, as you know, can be tough. Our industry is not for the faint of heart. One area Mike is very active in is sonic branding. We're going to talk about that. Also, a bunch of other things that you should know about the world of a freelance producer in this great episode for those out there looking for work and making ends meet. Hey, Mike. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm up here in North Carolina enjoying the cool air while everybody is dying.
1: Oh, you look great. So it's agreeing with you.
0: Yeah, it's 75 and sunny and a little red. We walk every day, do a little exercise and stuff like that. But it's been a while since we talked, and I'm really happy happy to have you on gig. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump in. I'm trying to keep these things to uh, thirty minutes, so everybody will listen. Absolutely. Um, And so we'll just start with this, Mike. You know, we've known each other for a while. You're a music supervisor, a music producer, and a sonic strategist, uh, as well as an incredible drummer. So, uh, would you kind of tell our listeners what you do in the First, in the music supervisor, producer role.
1: Uh, Well, in the music supervisor, producer role, my my basic job is to, you know, at its best, I get involved with a project very early and it needs a musical point of view. So Mm -hmm. I kind of 360, look around, figure out what the budget is, what they want to say, who their target audience is, who my clients are, and I find the best solution. Sometimes it's, you know, licensing a song. Sometimes they need something scored. They need something ownable that helps tell the story and punctuate how to feel and when to feel it. Mm-hmm. Song, you know, of course, there's something that enhances the story. Does it need to be a sense of discovery? You know, finding a new band, people are going to, you know, I use, I've, I've turned Shazam into a verb, make it Shazamable yeah. or yeah. Um, something that's going to evoke nostalgia.
0: You obviously work with lots of different uh, clients and suppliers. Mm-hmm. Is it mostly agencies or music houses, and how does uh, yeah. that, how does that work? I mean,
1: I, w- I wear all hats because I'm on my own business. So yes, I work with. Uh, I love working directly for brands because the decisions are made promptly. Um, mm-hmm. Most of my connections are at agencies. I work primarily for agencies because I spent uh, ooh, close to twenty years um, working in yeah. agencies departments. And uh, I do work for a lot of music houses. I have a lot of great creative partners I work with where my skill set accompanies theirs. Mm -hmm. So they bring me in for music supervision, production, you know, filling in the gaps. I I love partnering with people. I mean, I fell in love with music as a drummer playing in bands. And to me, music is very much a collaborative thing. So Mm -hmm. I always love working that way.
0: Do you have a project that you worked on recently that kind of stands out that was cool? Hmm.
1: Let's see. Recently, uh, yeah, I've worked on a few projects for Visit California that I thought were really, really fun and really, really interesting because it was a big deep dive into finding a song. You know, the state of California, of course, tourism has been a problem for them. So Mm -hmm. I I love to find, I don't want to just, you know, see the board or have somebody say, we're looking about songs about happiness or songs about going places. It's like, you know, I want to know as much as possible. So of course the state of California is um, now, man, COVID floods, fires, they need Uh, to. So there's a little bit of a do-gooder element into this. It's funded by the state. So Mm -hmm. the creative production, um, you know, needed to support all that. And the teams brought us in early. Um, I was partnered with my good friends at Hitlist Music, so we had a really nice collaborative team. So does
0: somebody give you a, 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 like a creative brief or something of all the things they're trying to accomplish, or how does that work or look?
1: Yeah, sometimes there's a very detailed creative brief talking about mm-hmm. the emotion, what they want to convey, mm-hmm. um, the genre they're looking for. You know, hopefully there's a budget in mind because, you know, that determines yeah. a lot. But then, of course, you know, I like to drill down and ask them as many questions as I can. Yeah. You know, find you... out if there's any creative because mm-hmm. it's their voiceover. How important is that? So if they're wanting, for, wanting a song and they have all these things, they want the song to say, but it's basically a traditional ad and it's got 32 seconds of copy packed into a 30-second spot, there's really no time for lyrics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that mm-hmm. needs to be addressed right away. Because then you can play them all these songs and it's something that's not going to work. And they'll fall in love with something they can have. And I'm sure people have mentioned the term temp love or demo love on this podcast. No, I haven't. Say, say, what is that? Temp love or demo love. Mm -hmm. So if an editor cuts to insert iconic track here, uh, an editor cuts to a Led Zeppelin track, everybody absolutely loves it and it supports the cut. They're not going to get a Led Zeppelin track. Right. They have five thousand dollars for a library poll and you're comparing against Led Zeppelin. That's a really, really tough one to go down. So getting, involved, <laughs> getting involved early. So in a given project I'm involved with, I want to get in as early as possible. And then maybe hand the editor some temp tracks for them to cut to, some directional mm. tracks.
0: Yeah. That
1: way you maybe, you know, maybe you find something and that concept of temp love or demo love becomes a good thing. It works to your advantage. Oh, that's really smart. Yeah yeah, 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 but people people fall in love with what they hear. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times in music it's like, oh my God, the first take was great, and then you spend three days working on something, and you wind up going back to the first take. It happens.
0: In the music supervisor role, there are, you know, there are 10,000 tracks that will work. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is that one that the person hears and all of a sudden they identify a product or whatever with a sound, with with a lyric, with a something. And then it's very, very hard to pull them away from that.
1: Yeah. And we, you know, we yeah. music supervisor, we all listen to a lot of music and are passionate about it and have ideas. Mm-hmm. And there's a song that you hear and it's like, oh, my God, if this concept ever comes up, that's like mm-hmm. the perfect swagger, anti-anthem and um, that's not too angry and has no naughty words in it. I'm going to remember that forever. And then boom, you see a creative brief, you see a cut, you throw that in. So basically what I'm saying is a lot of the time, your best ideas come on that first round.
0: What's the most you've ever seen spent by an ad agency on a piece of music?
1: Uh, Me personally was... No not needs to name it if you don't want, but I just I won't name it. But two million dollars, yeah, it's the most up, out of budget. Million, dang, I wish I would have written that. Million okay. do- oh, no, million dollars aside, <laughs> plus 75 grand in production. Wow, because we had wow. it was a situation we had a license to license the publishing, we had a license to license the master, and then it had to be let's just say augmented and reproduced yeah. a little bit, so we had to kind of pay everybody. Uh-huh.
0: So for all of you listeners out there that you know that wonder about ad music there's there can be an awful lot of money in it yeah uh, it's not it's not all a $75 library track true yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were the uh, you know I, I guess you Call you so? I don't know what the exact title is, I don't remember anymore. But like the executive producer of music at McCann, right? Yeah. For like 14, 14 years. I was at
1: McCann for ten years yeah. ahead of music, ten. and uh, an agency called Bates. I was there for eight years ahead of music prior to that, and I was in yeah. Ogilvy for a few years.
0: Does it make you still feel like you're in the music business, right? Mm-hmm. To be in an offshoot, the average listener's thinking performance, recording. Da, 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 da. If I'm not, you know, a producer or an artist, I'm not really in the business. It was, it was just a different way of dealing with the business, right? Or being in the business, I should say.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I've always had one foot in the advertising marketing business and one foot in the music business because they, you know, mm. they work together. If you're licensing a song, you're talking to people who work directly yeah. publishers, and that's who you're dealing with on a daily basis. And if you're a nice guy, they become your creative partners. Right. And, you know, I've seen the industry, both industries evolve a lot in my career to Mm -hmm. being more succinct from, you know, I guess they were a little more siloed when I first started out because we weren't really licensing music. I, you know, I started out in a recording studio. They were still making Mm -hmm. the dirty word called jingles. It was still very popular.
0: Hey, man, I made my money doing jingles. All right. as an independent producer, what are some of the challenges I think that face freelance contractors today in the
1: business in general? Well, number one is just making a living, you know, obviously, but the problem is budgets are all over the place. Mm. So um, you got to step back from the budget and think about what's the best solution for my client and the brand if save the money. Wonderful. There's times where I'm working on a job that my how much I make might be based on a percentage uh-huh. of you know, whatever we're doing. And I can't pitch song A versus song B. I have to look at them and say, wow, song A is, oh my God, that's awesome. They're going to love this. Song B, mm-hmm. I'm going to make a little more money on. It. Right. I always keep myself in check and step back before I hit send mm-hmm. and before I put things together and say, okay, what's the best for the job? Period. Yeah. Money out of the yeah. equation, focus on the creative because making money is lovely. I got a family, I still got one in college. As a lot of people say, this is a long game. It's not a short game. I wanna keep clients happy and coming back and enjoy what I do. And that doesn't happen if you're short-sighted. Mike, how do you market yourself? You know, I've been really fortunate in that um, all those years on the advertising agency side, I have a big network of people. Mm -hmm. So I've been kind of just leaning on my connections for a lot of years. I do try to Mm -hmm. brag about what I do on social media a little bit. Um, I try to get out there and do, you know, I get to South by every year and I'm doing a panel or uh, mentoring, which I actually love to do. So Mm. I I don't consider that marketing. That's fun, but it is marketing. It's just things to get my name out there. yeah, I have a website that needs to be updated. I keep in touch with people here and there. Um, I try to get out to shows, you know, see some live mm-hmm. music and go to industry events. Sure.
0: Yeah, well, you keep busy at it. That's that. I think that that's probably part of it, isn't it? It's just, it's um, you can't do what you do and what you know what contractors do in our business in general if you're not active and seen yeah. and yeah. out there. Can't sit behind your computer in your bedroom and wonder why nobody's hiring
1: you people, it's just simple business. People need to know who you are. How are they going to know to hire you if they don't know who you are? It's pretty simple. Right. And the other thing people forget is, and I'm guilty of, not guilty of this too, but people want to work with people they like. Yeah. There's a lot of talented people out there. So many talented people out there in this world, especially in the world of music. And if I'm working with a really, really talented, somebody who's not enjoyable to work with, and I'm working with Mm -hmm. somebody like you, I'm going to work with somebody like you, somebody who's friendly and nice and knowledgeable and, you know, always becomes a creative partner with me, eager to please. Well, you
0: definitely have that. I mean, from the day that I met you, and I think it was, was it Nam, like 15 plus years ago? I believe so. With Greg Sims. And you were just very open and in, in giving with your time. And I think that that is a big piece of it. And that just made me think of another question I wanted to ask you, which is, um, when you're, this is something that's very, very hard for creative people. Mm -hmm. And it is your personality that drives this piece. And it's like, say you've, you have what you think is like the perfect piece of music. And for some reason, you know, the creative director, you know, he just really doesn't like it. And what you see a lot is a lot of defensiveness from the creative. You know, from the musician or the composer or whatever, just, you know, how do you handle that when somebody's like, you know, Mike, this this is, you're not getting it, man. This is not even close to what we're looking for.
1: Um, interesting. There's an, I, I think there's a real art to that. It's a real art to that. comes mm-hmm. with experience. Uh-huh. You know, I think you have to acknowledge what they're saying. See, mm-hmm. somebody saying that to me makes it a little bit personal. Yes. So I, I stop and I take a breath. I think, mm-hmm. all right, they're making this personal. This is not personal. This is business. I'm not going to get mad. My challenge is now to bring the solution. And I right. tell them, you know, okay, I understand what you're saying. But the reason I play this and the reason I like it is because, mm-hmm. insert creative here, the lyric is yeah. spot on. It's talking about love without being, you know, objectifying. Or mm-hmm. um, this goes from major to minor. You know, uh, right where you get to this section, there's a great heroic moment at the product section. Mm -hmm. Try to think of, you know, this is the reason I did it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe something good will come out of it. And Mm -hmm. uh, The other thing about that is I think you learn a hell of a lot by learning what doesn't work. All right. Right. Nothing Mm -hmm. in a minor key for these guys ever. Okay, this guy just friggin hates strings. Any, I don't know his. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. sister might have been a violinist and really hard. <laughs> to him for hours and hours, and he just hates the violin, so it's a trigger for him. Um, that's what's nice about getting relationship with creative people you work with. You kind of yeah. know their taste as well. Because yeah. that's 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 yeah. Sorry, so, good I was gonna say sometimes it's what I call the reverse funnel. You know, picture a funnel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And at the very top, there's one decision maker. At the bottom, there's a lot of people with opinions, there's clients. And Mm -hmm. let's say for an agency, it might be like one chief creative director, or it might be the CMO at a at a brand. So you're working all the way up and getting to that top one person. You have to Mm -hmm. use everybody along the way because they're part of the process and they're your partners. But at the very end of the day, there might be one person who makes the final decision. So knowing who they are and what their tastes are and kind of what Mm -hmm. they go for and what their opinion is is always very helpful but you can't play to that person and diss the people below
0: right yeah because that one day that person below is probably going to be that person at the top too
1: absolutely absolutely as well as as well as your interns and assistants and the kid answering a phone at a studio that you walk into one day is told Absolutely. to me my very first day at an ad agency, oh, not an agency, a recording <laughs> studio. Got it right out of school at a wonderful recording studio. They're doing great work. I walked up to the top of the stairs like my second day, and I was all gung ho. And uh, I forget who I was talking to, but a bass player looked at me and said, "Hey, kid, I got some advice for you. Careful who you piss off on the way up, because you'll meet them on the way down."
0: Ooh, is. Well, I think that may be the name of this podcast. <laughs> so that's, that's great. I want to talk about something that's uh new, I guess. Not it's new, it's not it's it's old but new again. You you know, we were talking about sonic branding for companies. Yes. And how it's coming back. Yes. Would you talk a little bit about what that is and the the opportunities and why we should care about it?
1: I think sonic branding is it in a way it's been around for a long time because mm-hmm. it's basically the sound of your brand ownable and when you hear it you identify it with the brand. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to jingles. But in the day of the jingle when they were popular, people were consuming advertising in 30 second and 60 second commercials. Yeah. It started back when there were three networks. So boom, that's how you hit consumers. You get the whole world. Disco. Oh sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole world, but we don't consume advertising like that anymore too much. I mean, how often other, unless you're watching sports or news mm-hmm. or something on Hulu, you're and that's, you know, primarily pharma ads these days, yeah. you're not seeing full on commercials. So how else are you reaching your consumers? Mm-hmm. So, um, having some kind of sonic takeaway that makes sense to the brand and supports the brand is great. Uh, Intel, mm-hmm. which has been around for 25 years now, yeah. bung, 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 McDonald's, but McDonald's. but da ba ba but Mm -hmm. MasterCard has one that, um, because of what they are and how they're a worldwide finance company, Mm -hmm. they have so many consumer touch points. They're able to use it in different ways. So it's Mm a sonic signature at the end of their spot, sonic Mm -hmm. logo, sonic signature, brand ID. They also take that theme and they make an A version and a B version. They put it in what I like to call a hero track Mm -hmm. top to bottom. It's got, um, You know, something thematic and a little bit of sonic DNA, as we like to call it, that gets triggered throughout the spot. I mean, like think of the James Bond theme. Yeah, There's, yeah. there's the horns. There's the baseline. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make verses and choruses out of that, or make an elongated track. It's like
0: the the sonic or audio version or musical version, if you will, of the Nike Swish.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of people that would salivate about the opportunity to give a sonic brand to the Nike Swish.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's so
1: many things. Think about that in your mind. You're thinking yeah. about something with, you know, you're thinking about a literal sound effect. Mm-hmm. But any literal sound effects not real ownable. I mean, you. are Yeah. Swish it. You hear that all over the place. You watch any sports show whenever they cut from, you know, the live action to the instant replay, Mm -hmm. something there. Yeah. So you add a melody over the top or a backwards unique sound or something, you blend them together and it becomes something vulnerable.
0: I mean, speaking of ownable, uh, uh, okay, I'm a a musician, composer, and you get this gig for a a sonic branding piece, and you end up coming to me. Mm -hmm. And I come up with the piece that ultimately ends up being the sonic
1: brand for a big brand. Mm -hmm. How do I make money on that? You need to speak up for yourself, because there's a lot in this industry. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of people in this industry that might try and take advantage (laughs) of you, to be honest. Because the thing about sonic branding if I'm doing a sonic branding gig, I'm going to do research on your brand. Mm-hmm. So me, being the client contact and calling myself the strategist or producer, mm-hmm. I'm going to look at your competing brands, see what they're doing, make suggestions where the white space might be for you. So look we'll poke out a little bit, give suggestions of it should be at the beginning, it should be at the end, uh-huh. talk about who you're talking to. Anyway, that's research. And I'm going to, in sonic branding, you're billing for that. Right, bill for all the research, and at the end of the day, you've done a a process, and you have a very guided creative brief for composers. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of money, a lot of a lot of money to be made in this budget. And at the very end of the day, you're going to get a offering you twenty five hundred bucks for a fee because it's only three notes. Mm -hmm. The value of those three notes, there's a lot behind it. So you should really regulate more Um, publishing. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something like that, try to keep your publishing, at least your writer's share. And if somebody wants to split the writer's share, that, you know, that's okay. You mm-hmm. can split the writer's share, but make sure you hang on to a piece of it. Yeah.
0: So for me though, okay, I've, you've come to me, you've got this brief, you've spent all the time, we work on a little bit together. Mm-hmm. I end up with these three notes. Is yes. that actually copyrightable and publishable?
1: I've heard different sides of this story. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um what needs to happen is if you do a long form piece, like I was talking about you yeah. know, the hero piece. If you do a long form piece, make sure that gets filed and registered. And mm-hmm. it's easier to claim the end. If mm-hmm. you just do the end three notes, those are difficult to copyright.
0: Now, I guess the, I guess that could become very legal, right? Because there are lots of lawsuits about samples. Yes, and those samples uh, are, are maybe a second long, second and yeah. half long, but somebody mm-hmm. still filed a suit against another company for take using that piece yes. So it's an interesting subject I, that you know what i'll take this up with uh, uh, this uh, attorney that i'm going to talk to and i'll get back to
1: you with what he says and i can and i could suggest talking to a musicologist in this journey oh is that, okay and as a composer as a composer if you if you're a if you michael wrote a three note mm-hmm. let's call it a three note ding dong for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah um you should ask is this going through a musicologist? Oh, and ask okay. for a copy of the report.
0: Okay, well, uh, offline, you can maybe if you know one, you could send me one because i don't I have n- I have no idea where to even find a music
1: I've got a great one who spent oh. twenty five years in the trenches doing what you were doing, writing music oh. for commercials.
0: Oh God, I would love to talk to him. That sounds awesome but but
1: that keep, that keep, that keeps you legal. That makes sure that nothing was done you're not you're not um, impeding, I'm sorry infringing on somebody else's prior artwork. Because it happens, it's happened in the pop world, there's accidents, (laughs) so many notes, there's so many catchy things, you might accidentally rip off somebody else's song Mm. without realizing.
0: We're uh, going to... I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because I don't, I don't want to take all your time and I, uh, you have so much great information to pass on. A couple of quick things, though. You know, you, you've been in the business a long time. The, what you do require, requires crazy hours. And I know personally that you're kind of an amazing dad. And, and so, how, you know, how do you deal with, uh, you know, clients and, and a work life that can, you know, be all hours, travel and this and that? I mean, how do you balance that with your family life?
1: It's it's difficult. It's Mm -hmm. difficult. I I choose being, I chose, well, I'm I'm blessed that both my daughters got very much into the performing arts and during those crucial years. Well, I spent a lot of years at the ad agency side and I was just there 24 seven and I missed Mm -hmm. a lot. Ah. So when I had the opportunity to be entrepreneurial, I said, all right, the big plus of this is I I am, I'm going to see performances and shows and I'm not going to miss this. I I just basically kept everything very virtual when I had to travel, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I basically have headphones and a laptop and a hard drive. I would very much compartmentalize my time. It meant me basically doing my work from, instead of the regular work day, if I had something I needed to do to be there for my family, I would somehow check out. I had a check out from two yeah. to seven for a family opportunity. I would let who I'm know working with in advance that I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm not gonna be available this time. If you need me, I'll get back to you soon. Being very, very vocal with my clients. And it meant me rolling up my sleeves and doing things on the off time. So, you know, all right, too bad. I'm working from midnight to 4 a.m. doing a yeah. search because I wanted to be there for something for my kids.
0: That's, I mean, that's that's cool. Because I mean, at the end of the day, one of the things I want everybody to hear in this, in, in this podcast series, is that, you know, uh, music's awesome, film is awesome, but it's a job, you know. At the end of the day, it is your family, and I've experienced the wrong side of that myself. And and so any advice that we get that helps with that, I think it's really important to hear.
1: The biggest one I can give everybody is, Manage your client's expectations, because if you need to check out and you're pissed that you have to work and you're going to miss a, and you go there and you say, Mm -hmm. "Oh, screw it. I'm not going to call them back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let them know that, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be unavailable from boom to boom. Leave me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And everybody is usually very understanding with it. If you need to say, I'm in a session, I'm working with another client. Great. If you have a relationship with them and say, I've got some family stuff going on. I just can't be there. Yeah till midnight and I'll get it for you and it will be waiting for you in the morning wrapped up in a
0: boat. <laughs> and I'm guessing too the, the ones that blow up at you are probably the ones you don't want to work with anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I can say that you don't need to say that because I don't really care anymore. Uh, so just a couple other quick things. Uh, I could talk to you all day about this stuff Mike but what's your prediction of what AI is going to do to the music business? I mean, I'm getting a lot of opinions. Help it, hurt it, replace it. What do you think?
1: I think it's going to just change it. Mm. I think this is this is a bold statement. I don't think this is a lot different than 30 years ago, somebody saying, Oh my God, I've got this drum machine thing now. And mm. people aren't going to need, they don't need drummers anymore. As a matter of fact, half the band you don't need. And then it goes into laptops and mm-hmm. tools and nobody's working in recording studios anymore. That ecosystem changed. I think that's what is going to happen. I think it's just going to change the ecosystem. It's not going to replace anybody. might change the bottom end of things. I could mm-hmm. see library music changing drastically. I can mm-hmm. see being created by AI um, on that I, end. Of,
0: but I think people, you're
1: are right on the money, Bob, artists, it, brother. People are still going to need artists people want to be fans they want to follow people and there's going to be original stuff I mean where's I get IA sorry where's IA getting its material from it's from artists and things and pop culture and other references those still need to be created Mm -hmm. and things still need to be scored with original things and you know the new John Williamses of the world are still out there waiting waiting to pop up
0: interesting that's good I, I I agree with your perspective on this mine goes back to midi uh, I had, this called Sync Track. It was the first eight-track MIDI recorder. <laughs> I mean, believe if you can believe that. And I was scared to death because I was writing music for a living. And I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna be out of a job. And then I, I learned pretty quickly that because you had MIDI, uh, didn't mean that you, you could write music. Everybody could play with it.
1: Right, exactly. Exactly, it just changes, changes the ecosystem a little bit. I, when I made a transition to doing what I do now, I, I wanted to be a recording engineer. I yeah. loved being back there behind the glass working with people. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, Pro Tools showed up in laptops. Composers mm-hmm. are doing most of their own work. I saw some mentors of mine struggling to make a living. I said, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to find something else to do that's involved with this. And then I yeah. went from the recording studio to one of our clients and ad agency and, and spun to this.
0: got one question for you. I ask everybody this same question. You probably heard it if you've listened to this podcast, which is, um, if I wanted to follow in your footsteps or I wanted to be doing sort of what you're doing, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what would you tell me would be a good way to get my foot in the door?
1: I would say, do anything you can to get your foot in the door, take money out of the equation if you can, and just think about what kind of people you can network with, um, go to any industry events you can watch TV shows and figure out, you know, find out maybe who the music supervisors are. I don't work on TV. I've done a bunch of indie films, but even so, if you respect somebody's work, see about what, who they are, follow them. Anything you can do to intern in any shape or form to get your foot in the door, even if it's a secondary industry, you know, maybe it's a music supervision company and they need somebody to do admin, you know, not your forte, not what you want to do, but you're getting your foot in the door and meeting people. That's awesome. Um, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. There's that's a lot to it. advice. Just get in there and meet people and be eager to learn. If somebody asks you to do something extra, go for it. If you have an opportunity to do something on your own time, do it.
0: Awesome. Mike, you're a great friend. I'll be talking to you offline and we'll do this again in a while. We'll see what happens to AI. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Theme music for Gig with Mike Redmond was composed and produced by Other Animal. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Gig with Mike Redmond. If you like what you heard, I'd ask that you subscribe and like us. And finally, if you have questions about a job or ideas for an episode, contact me at gigwithmikeredman at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Mike Redmond, signing off.